This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. I want to talk to some garbage to you this morning. Can I do that? Talk some... Let's talk trash. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Let's talk garbage. My wife uh, goes on a prayer walk every morning, uh, takes my dogs out into the park, and sometimes I join her, but most of the time she, I'm not with her, and she's out there. And Oftentimes she comes home with stuff that she finds in the park. And we have affectionately named those things treasures. So in the corner of my garage, I have uh, baseball bats, baseball mitts. Uh, I even, in my drawers, I actually have shirts that were left out there, all treasures that somebody else didn't think was worthy of keeping, and they just left it there in the park and it becomes our treasures. I want to talk to you today about garbage and treasures. I was watching a video earlier this week about the way that they treat the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls are those, those scrolls that were found in the Middle East in uh, 1947, I think it was, and uh, found by a, a shepherd out in the field and discovered those those scrolls and the, the reveal of those scrolls confirmed that the scripture has remained the same all this time and that, that those, those were sealed up uh, uh, centuries before, but now we discovered that they're exact, the scriptures were exactly the same. The Old Testament scriptures were exactly the same as they were written there. Uh, because the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in clay pots stashed in the desert someplace. They were not exposed to air because each pot was sealed, and so they were in pretty good shape until the lid was pulled off and we found out what was in there. Still got a little bit of a ring here, bro, so if you can stamp on that a little bit. Maybe I'll, I'll move this up. Maybe that help you out. How's that? Better? Is that right? Is that right? Okay, so... So, um, the, the, uh, the scrolls were found in these, in these clay pots that were sealed up, and so when they were exposed to the air, immediately they began to disintegrate. Uh, just a few years ago, actually, they came through Chicago, and they, when you see them on display, they have them underneath a glass case. They, have, uh, they don't put them under fluorescent lights. There has to be special lights that, you, that they have in there. They have, they have to be treated very well because they are disintegrating before our very eyes. Now we have digital pictures of them, so uh, that, that's a blessing, so we'll always know what they look like, but they're dis disintegrating. And I started thinking about how you treat a treasure. You treat a treasure very carefully. The, this, this treasure that was, that was discovered in these clay pots is there with a specific purpose uh, to confirm for us the work of God in our lives. But yet at the same time, we recognize that the, the reality of that's being, that's being pointed out there is disintegrating before our eyes. So how do we handle it? Well, we wear gloves. We, we, we uh, 
We make sure that the air in the room is a specific quality, that the humidity is exactly right, that the lighting is, is perfectly right, that everything is, the tweezers are used to hold the fragments, that glass is laid upon it to, to, to kind of seal it up, that no adhesives are, are, are on the back of it so that, that it, even gluing them together is not an, uh, an option because the adhesive itself causes decay. And so you, you treat those things very special. Who would ever think that you and I are in possession of treasure. Who would ever think that you and I are in possession of treasures? And my, my concern is that we often don't recognize the good things that we have, and we discard them. And we often don't realize the treasure that's on the inside of us, and we don't treat it properly. So we're in Philippians chapter 3, verse Seven, it says this, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you take that word that we just heard and, and let it be expanded in our minds. Let us really understand what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I never thought I would be in possession of the treasure, the treasure of Christ. I never ever thought my life would be full of treasure. Me, a cheater, a liar, a thief, a womanizer, a drunk, an addict, me, all that I was, everything that I was when God found me, I never thought that I could have the treasure of Christ on the inside of me. Something on the inside of me changed when I came to Jesus and suddenly I recognized in, the, in, the, in that moment that there's a treasure on the inside of me that's worth holding on. Something on the inside of me is so great because God placed it there. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe sometimes we don't treat the treasure of Christ the way it ought to be treated. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. God has put the treasure on the inside of us and He hasn't changed us much. When I came to Jesus, I had a pimple on my cheek. When God transformed my life, the pimple didn't go away. Right? 
I talked with the same accent that I've always talked with. God didn't change the outside of the jar of clay, but he radically transformed the inside because the power of God, the treasure of Christ himself, not the representative of him, not some figment of my imagination, not a voice in my head, but the actual presence of Jesus lives on the inside of me and on the inside of every single believer who confesses Jesus as, as Lord. The treasure lives within. The treasure lives within. And yes, we are broken. And yes, we are flawed. And yes, we make mistakes. And yes, sometimes it seems like we make more rather than less. But the treasure lives within. The treasure lives within. The wonderful treasure is not diminished by the clay pot that holds it. The wonderful treasure lives on the inside of us. We are not, because of that treasure, who we once were. It is transforming us on the inside. There is something on the inside of us that is adapting to the presence and the reality of Christ as long as we're listening to His voice and following the direction of His Spirit and reading His Word and fellowshipping together, worshiping in His presence as we're doing these things. God is radically transforming us and taking us from what we once were to what He envisioned. Our, not what you envisioned, but what He envisioned our life to be. Why? Because His treasure is on the inside of us. We have treasure in there. We are not who we once were. And we're not who we will be. We are not who we will be. We, we, we will be greater than we are now. We will be more healed than we are now. We will be wiser. Can you look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be wiser. Somebody's saying, thank you, Jesus, for that promise. You're going to be wiser. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be truer. You're going to be more faithful. You're going to be better than you are right now because of the treasure that lives on the inside of you. Even this morning, if you're sitting here and as you woke up out of the bed, you thought about yourself, I am a hot mess. Even if that's what God has told you, even if God said, you're a hot mess doesn't mean you have to remain a hot mess. It means that that's where God's taking you from. That may be your testimony for the rest of your life. I once was this, but now I'm going to be what God has for me because of the treasure that's on the inside of me. We have gains and we have losses in our life. There are those things that are a gain to us, like the giftings and the the talents that we develop, the education that we get, the personal giftings. Uh, just, you know, some of us are just blessed with striking good looks. <laughs> striking. For some of us, it's a curse. For some of us, it's a blessing. We have these things. Paul says, I consider what I had to the positive, all the things that were my gain, I consider those things and I count them as loss. Look in verses uh, 4 through 6. He says, Though I myself have reasons for confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Faultless. He says, I had the genetics. I had everything going for me. I had the education. I, he, I was schooled in the right schools. I knew the scriptures. I knew all this stuff. But even having that deep knowledge of the law in the Old Testament, even having that deep knowledge of the way God had worked in the past, even knowing all that, even having heard all the discussions of how God had worked in the past and how God was working in the lives of other people, I consider that, he says, all a loss just to know Christ. Everything pales in comparison to knowing Christ. Basically, he says his religious righteousness, his ethnic background, his ethnicity as being a part of the chosen people, his obedience to the law, his zeal for the things of God, his legalistic righteousness, it was all junk compared to Jesus. Years ago, when I was just a young man, I lived in Boulder, Colorado, and I had a job. I washed Mercedes-Benz at the Mercedes-Benz dealer. Had to keep the dust off of them, you know. So my first day on the job, or maybe it was my second, was the first couple of days. The owner of the dealer says, I know you're going to want to take one of these for a test drive. And I don't want you to sneak off the lot. So he stood on the lot and he said, pick out whatever one you want to take for a drive. So I picked out a brand new 1977 450 SL convertible stick. And I said, well, I like that one there. And he said, take it for a drive. I said, you mean like around the lot? Now, at the time, my, my car was a 1969 Firebird 350 with a, a racing transmission in it, and I loved my car. In fact, sometimes I would just sit in my car and just love it. <laughs> had a hearse, hearse shifter, Dave's with me on that, had a hearse shifter, had a, had a modified transmission, racing transmission, so second to third gear was fast. I drag raced people all over Chicago at the time, and now I was living out there, going to school out there, and as I was out there, that's what I drove to the lot that day. And I thought that was awesome. You know. And then I got into the front seat of that 450 SL with the leather interior and the leather dash. I had a metal dash, they had a leather dash. And I sat in, in that leather, Corinthian I think, wrapped around me as I got in there. And I put that thing in first gear and I took that thing for a ride in the mountains. And when I say I took it for a ride, I mean everything worked on that thing. <laughs> the roof went down and I drove that thing for 30 minutes. 
banging through the gears and going as fast as I could, taking those, those hairpin turns up in the mountains. I think the guy was nuts personally, but I was healed from ever wanting to drive any of the other cars because I'd already driven the, the nicest car on the lot. And so I, I, was, I, I didn't want to mess with the other cars. I was, I was content just to wash cars because I had already driven this car. But let me tell you what happened. I never looked at that 69 Firebird the same way. <laughs> I never looked at it the same way because although it was at one time my treasure, now it was just my ride. Because I'd been in something that was worth so much more. It was so much nicer. And it was, it was leaps and bounds above what I was driving. And it changed my appreciation for, for cars. Honestly. The treasure of Christ on the inside of us has to change the things we used to settle for that we called life. The treasure that's on the inside of us Changes that. I'm here this morning not with a message of love. Not that our world doesn't need a message of love. But my message this morning is a message of hate. You see, I want you to hate. Hate the sin that so easily besets you. And to hate the things that trip you up. And to hate the life that you have settled for. I want you to hate the cycles of brokenness and addiction that you just keep cycling through. I, I want you to hate the carnality that holds you back and keeps you from the blessing of God. I want you to hate... Romans 12 verse 9 says this, Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. It's a biblical thing to hate what is evil. It is a biblical thing to hate what is evil. Psalm 45, verse 7 says, You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. What if the thing that's holding you back, the thing that's keeping you from victory, what if the thing that's holding back that anointing, what if the thing that is, that is keeping you down, what if the thing that keeps allowing you to go through the cycle of brokenness over and over again, what if that thing is you just don't hate enough? You just don't hate enough. I remember one time when I was a young Believer, I had just come out of the drug culture, and we were sitting at a place called Mel Markins uh, in uh, Homewood. It's not there anymore, but we used to go there late after Bible study, and we were all sharing testimonies. Well, it started off testimonies, and suddenly it, it would, they became stories. You know, when a testimony becomes stories, and suddenly yeah, you're sharing war stories from the world. And I remember I was sharing stories of, hey, there's one time, you know, and there was. The difference between a testimony and a story is at the end of a testimony, there is the, but God stepped in and saved me. That's what makes a testimony a testimony. 
But suddenly, I, I was sharing a story, and as I was sharing this story, recounting some stupid, funny thing that I had done, some predicament that I had been, I don't even remember what it was that I was sharing. I was sharing that something I had done, suddenly I had an acid flashback. It was almost as if the Lord said, well, if you're going to keep talking about that, then maybe you want to experience that again. And I remember grabbing onto the chair next to me and leaning my head down and closing my eyes and saying, God, please make this go away. I don't want that life. Sometimes even as believers, sometimes even as believers, we look back fondly on our sin. Come on now, you've been there before. You've found yourself laughing. Oh, remember that? Thing. Remember those days? I do remember them. They taste like puke in my mouth. I do remember them. They, they, they hurt my spirit. They hurt my, my soul. And sometimes we look fondly at that stuff, but we have to recognize it for what it is. It's the reason why a dog can return to his vomit because he forgets what it was that his stomach rejected. There's a reason why he puked that out. It wasn't good for him. And we go back and we finally look at that. But that's because we lose the hate for the thing that was destroying our life. Sometimes we find ourselves back into something and then we suddenly realize, oh yeah, I remember this was destroying me. Oh yeah, I remember this ruined my, my, my uh, marriage. My, this ruined my friendships. This ruined my, my life. This, this stuff, I have to see it for what it is. I have to recognize it for what it is. The word here in the Greek is skubala. Paul calls it garbage. But it means... It can mean refuse or garbage. It can also mean dung. It means something a little bit different if we look at it like that. He says, Whatever were my gains, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them crap. Oh boy, that changes the way we look at it, right? Recognize, recognize it for what it is. Recognize it for what it is. It's that garbage. It's that... I was going to use a Spanish word, but I'm not sure if it's a swear word, so I'm not going to use it. Not sure. I only know so much Spanish and a lot of it is swear words, you know. <laughs> I, it's the stuff that ruined our life. I pray that God will teach us to hate what is evil and to love what is good. To cling to what is good and to hate what is evil. Every single person in here has some evil that they toy with in their mind. You keep it like a trophy, you pull it out of your top drawer and you look at it in your mind, turning it around and thinking about those things. It's poison. Paul said, I have a new treasure. I have a new treasure to gain Christ. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. 
everything, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Just to know him. Just to know him. I don't mean to be used by him in any capacity. I mean just to know him is the treasure. Just to seek his face, to hear the voice of his spirit, just to know Christ is the treasure. It radically transforms who we are. It kicks into gear everything we ever aspired to. To be found in Him, he says. To be found in Him. That's what he longed for. To be found in Him. You say, like, the Apostle Paul, wasn't he pretty sure that he was a Christian? Oh, he was sure that he was a Christian, but he also recognized, he says earlier in the chapter, not that I've already attained all this. He knew that he wasn't completely given over to God. Even the Apostle Paul knew there were, there were kingdoms of his heart that needed to fall. When he's speaking about sin in Romans chapter 7, he says, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. That's the Apostle Paul saying that. Every one of us, I think, at some point would find ourselves... I mean, if you, if, you haven't done, if you haven't done this, you've never been on a diet. Right? If you've ever been on a diet, if you're one of those precious people that never, your weight never fluctuates, God bless you, teach us, will you? But, but for those of us with a metabolism that's kind of schizophrenic, we... we we understand what it, what it is to put it on a few pounds and then to swear at the altar on a Sunday morning, I will not stop by Andy's frozen custard anymore. I will not eat that anymore. A few years back, the doctor told me I was a diabetic. He said, sugar is killing you. Still, the car wants to turn into the Andy's frozen custard as I'm driving by. Why? It's killing you. But see, we don't understand the difference between garbage and treasure. But to know Christ, to know Him, means I have to handle the treasure better. I have to handle the treasure with more dignity, with more, more promise, with more... more Respect. This week, God has brought a fresh, new understanding of that to me. That I need to handle Christ preciously. Not take Him for granted. To recognize the Holy Spirit on the inside of me deserves to be honored and acknowledged and not grieved by my behavior and the things that I do. I'm so grateful to God for that. I just want to know Christ. That's all. I just want to know Christ. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. All the saints want to know him in the power of his resurrection. We want to see the miracles. We want to see the answers to prayer. We want to see the power of God manifest. We want to see all those wonderful things, right? We want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And... The fellowship of his suffering. Oh, we don't want that, Lord. We don't want to be fellowshipping with you in, your, in our suffering. Interesting thing about the sentence in the Greek, 
The two go together. You see, God's not going to work His power for a life that refuses to identify with the suffering of Christ. There are people who will hate you because you're a Christian, simply because you're a Christian, because Jesus is controversial. I don't know if you know that. Have you found that out? The people they have respect for people who never claimed to be God. Muhammad and Buddha and all these people who at the end of their life said, keep searching for truth, keep looking on, I'm not the guy. I don't know. Jesus is the one who said, follow me. And that makes him controversial. And because he said, follow me, that makes him controversial. And so when we follow him, then people point at us and say, you guys think you know everything. No. No, you misunderstand. We think we know nothing. That's why we're following him. He knows everything. That's why we're following him. There once was a time, there once was a moment when I thought I knew everything and then I found out very quickly I don't know nothing. God showed me. He taught me to hate some things in my life. The power to overcome sin. The power to touch heaven. The power to see prayers answered. The power to live a godly life. The power to say no to sin. The power to live above the fray. All comes as we identify with Christ. Some of you are Christians incognito. You wear your weekly camouflage as you go into the office and no one is even at all aware that you're a believer in Jesus. No one knows. It's the biggest secret in the office. Because you're on the DL. You're on the down low. Nobody knows that you're a Christian. How can you ever partake of the sufferings of Christ if no one knows you're with Him? Sometimes the, the Lord just wants us to stand up and say, I follow Jesus. Listen. The world is full of weirdos that follow Jesus. Come on, let's be honest, right? Yes, some of them may even be seated with us here this morning. God bless them. The world is full of weirdos that follow Jesus. They're not normal like you. But nobody knows you follow Jesus because you're on the down low. So take a stand, and then they'll be able to say, well, I know this one guy at work. He's not too weird, and he follows Jesus. Not all followers of Jesus are weirdly narcissistic and have to have attention. That's what God is trying to get us to do, to identify with him. And he says, if you identify with me, then the power of my resurrection will work with you. I want to know in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. To somehow be like him in his death. That's getting more serious. We have to die to some things in this life. Some things have to die. They just can't stay with us. They can't make the trip. You know, you have things in your life that are there right now that can't make the trip to heaven. You know that. We have to die to them. The old timers called it mortification. 
That's just scary, just saying mortification. The death of your flesh while you're following God's direction in your life. Like when God tells you, hey, give $5 to that guy, and you're like, Lord, that's my last $5. When God says, I want you to go hug the stinky guy. Lord, he stinks. The Lord says, I want you to pray for your sister-in-law. And you're like, Lord, she hates my guts. And all those other hard things that God does to teach you how to be more like Him. He does that to point out not just how loving we have to be, but how hateful we have to be. We have to be hateful towards the things that make us us in our flesh, in our carnality. And somehow, he says, attaining to the resurrection of the dead. The Apostle Paul says, I hope I am doing this right so that I'll be participant in the resurrection that I will attain the resurrection from the dead. So it's clearly, it's pretty serious business. He says, that's what I want to do. So I'm here today to tell you that the treasure of Christ is on the inside of your heart. Handle the holy things with a holy awareness. And then the other thing is, that there's garbage in your life. That there's garbage in your life. And it's keeping you, it's keeping you from being who Jesus wants you to be. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.